Welcome to Ian Hates Conversations. My name is Ian. This is a really cool episode as I welcome the Sultan of Scene, Jared Alonji, to the show. Don't worry, though. There are no bad jokes like that one on this episode. Figured I'd get them out now. Jared's supergroup, friend of the show, Crazy88, has their debut full-length album, Burning Alive, coming out this Friday, December 14th. It's one of my favorites this year, so make sure you pick it up and give it a listen, especially a certain track called Ian Hates Gretchen. Huh. Wonder if I had anything to do with that. You're really going to love it. We have a lot to get to, so let's begin with the track Tears and Rain off Burning Alive. Enjoy.
All right, everyone, and welcome back to Ian Hates Conversations. I am here with the Jared Alonji. Jared, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very good. It's uh, it's starting to get cold in Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm getting into the the Christmas spirit. I'm a <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Christmas. Very nice. So uh, it's been it's been good. Well, what? does that actually mean for you then are you decorating are you just getting everything ready and together what does it mean for you well for me it's just being able to eat a lot of sugar (laughs) and not feel as bad about it um but uh usually we decorate um i always like to get together in my family and it with my work i didn't intend it to be this way but it just ever since I think like 2015, it kind of just became this. I get like really burnt out by like November. Yeah. And then I, until the end of the year, I like can't get anything done. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of become like my default uh, sabbatical okay. time. Um, this year I've, I've, I'm still working pretty far into December, but I think after this album release, I'm going to take it easy and play. Red Dead Redemption 2 or something. There you go. Maybe some Kingdom Hearts 3 in January. Oh, yeah. What, when does that come out? That's the end of January. End of January. Yeah. Okay. So you got a little bit of time, but I figure oh, yeah. maybe you take a couple months and kind of... I mean, you're doing a ton already, right? Yeah, a lot. Well, it, this release, the Crazy 88 release got delayed a lot and there's a lot of stuff that was out of our control so it just took months longer than i anticipated it to take so all the other projects i had going got like kind of delayed too and i actually had some other albums that were going to come out this year but i'm Mm -hmm. just waiting until crazy 88 is done wow yeah damn well do you know i mean obviously burning alive is coming out on friday december 14th do you know after that about how long you'll give that release to really get out there before you start working on something else so i actually have a little something that's kind of a surprise that's probably coming out like the monday after the album release wow okay um that's that's being made right now mm-hmm. uh and it, it'll be kind of like a little teaser into what i've been doing uh, in my spare time, like throughout this year's stuff that's coming out next year. Um, so yeah, pretty much right. Like, Crazy 88 is kind of the bottleneck for all my work right now. And I like, just can't get anything else done <laughs> until it's out of my brain. Right. So, uh, once it's released, I will immediately be turning into other stuff. Okay. All right. So yeah, so you're not even really taking that hiatus that you wanted to. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have to push it back a little bit, but we'll I see. see. So you had mentioned that you kind of wanted to get ready to eat all the sugary goodness that's around the holidays. Does that mean like going to the gym? Does that mean, you know, working out and exercising? To offset. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. So we, I have a I have a gym membership. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a membership that like lasts a year. So I wouldn't like skimp out and cancel it. Sure. But I've been really bad about <laughs> getting over there. It's like a 24-7 gym. Nice. Um, and I, I got married this year. Right. Congrats. And my wife is great, but she <laughs> she does not. Uh, we, we try to work out together because I'm not like motivated to work out by myself. But uh, 
she does not like working out so it's <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> to get out there and do it but yeah i'm a piece of shit <laughs> great way to end that so i was going to congratulate you on the wedding cuz that happened what in september yeah, yeah september 16th and then you guys went on a honeymoon and you were kind of posting about that online. That seemed really, really cool. Was there a favorite place that you guys had? Yeah. It, so it was like the most extravagant, affordable honeymoon. Yeah. Um, because so uh, I, I was thinking we could probably go to like like Seattle or somewhere in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found like a mistake airfare uh, for round trip tickets from like Atlanta to Italy. Uh, well, to France, but we we just went on from there. Right. But uh, we'd always wanted to go to Italy, and like the 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 plane tickets were maybe like three times cheaper than they normally would be. Wow. So it, we went to Europe essentially for uh like way cheaper than like a cruise nearby would have been. Very so cool. we went to Europe, um, flew into Paris, took another short. Well, once you get to Europe, everything's pretty cheap. It's really just the the air travel, but uh. Got over to Venice, Italy, um, stayed a night there, took trains over to Florence, stayed like nice. three nights there. Very we, cool. uh, I got reservations to uh, like the best restaurant in the world, which was <laughs> the like the first episode of Chef's Table. I don't know if you watched that or not. I know what you're talking um, about, though. Yeah. Yeah. With the Parmesan. Um, <laughs> ate there took trains we had to get back to paris for a return flight so we took trains up through switzerland and Very stayed nice. in switzerland for two nights which was fucking awesome yeah that's like my favorite country right now i haven't been to many countries but that's my favorite <laughs> um and then we spent a night in um paris okay. actually was it one night i think it was two nights yeah two nights because we had a whole day in paris we, we stayed two nights in paris and Kind of just walked around the whole city. It's way bigger than I thought it would be. Um, oh, yeah. Sat under the Eiffel Tower. It was a lot of fun. And I think it was during Fashion Week as well. So there were a lot of people out and about, like red carpets everywhere and stuff. It was right. cool. No, very cool. So while you're there, were you able to completely separate yourself from doing any other work? Yeah. Uh, I was thinking earlier in the year I would have trouble with it, but I definitely didn't because oh, I had... There's so much stuff with like planning the wedding mm-hmm. um, and leading up to that, that uh, I kind of just phased out from doing work long before then. I had like <laughs> a shit ton of travel leading up to the wedding. Like mm-hmm. I had, I think within a two month span, I did Warp Tour with August Burns Red. Right. Um, I went to Toronto uh, for a while to shoot. All those music videos, um, two of which just came out last Friday. Yep. Um, went to Grand Rapids with a producer named Lee Albrecht, who. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, working on another project of mine. Oh. I haven't announced yet. Oh man. Um, went to Ohio for. Uh, went to Johnny Frank's yep. studio. Um, went to Colorado for an unrelated like family thing. So it was like way too much travel. But by that point I was like, fuck everything. Right. Right. And I was like, just completely tuned out (laughs) from any music related thing. So I I was pretty, uh, and I didn't really even use my phone. Most of the, uh, honeymoon except for navigation. So yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. See, that sounds awesome. 
just to get away from everything for a while. Now, while you were gone, was that when the mixing and mastering of Burning Alive, did it happen during that time so you didn't really have to worry about anything? Sort of. That That's one of the uh, the delays. So... I kind of got everything. There were there were some other delays with like when we could track vocals and do all that stuff because you know Lauren's in Canada, right? Um, everybody's kind of in different countries and touring, and it's hard to get everybody together. So, uh, um, so that was already a little delayed. In August, we kind of wrapped up all the production on, on our end to get to uh, Will Putney. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, after that you're just kind of especially if you're not uh engineering with the producer if you're just like sending pre-recorded stuff to get mixed and mastered it it's you're kind of just at the mercy of when he's able to do it when he doesn't right. have a band and so um yeah there were there were a few delays but i mean a part of it was also me doing like a shit ton of revisions like producers hate me for, <laughs> for all the revisions i do you could, you could ask johnny frank oh yeah but, uh uh very tedious but but i think they're worth it um so yeah i i was it was very meticulous with this record and it it took if i had just gotten the first masters back and released those it probably would have been over a month ago but uh yeah i'm i'm very detailed yes no i can definitely tell and you know for people that don't know because i've been i've been very tight-lipped about it you sent me the album it was thanksgiving that I got yes. a chance to listen to the full thing, and it is so damn good. And I know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm not sure how good you are with taking compliments and everything, but it is. I'm super good at. Okay, taking good. Compliments. Good. Then I'll continue. Then. So, <laughs> it is one of my favorite albums of the year. I think people are going to absolutely love this. So, tell me. Uh, you had mentioned you were in Toronto to uh, be with Lauren and with Patty. I remember that's when we did a live stream. That was a little while back. How long were you in Toronto for? Oh, God. I think it was 10 days. Okay. Um, because uh, I think originally it was going to be like a five-day thing, mm -hmm. but uh, the airfare worked out to where if I made it like over a week, it was like hundreds of dollars cheaper, so I figured might as well hang out in Canada. And like Lawrence become a good friend of mine, good. as well as uh, Tyson, who who does drums in our videos and some right. other friends I've made in Canada. So I, I kind of just wanted to, we rarely get to see each other. So it, we had a few days where we would just hang out, but um, uh, I went up there, oh, I guess it was like first week of September. Maybe I took my friend Blake um, to kind of just help out and be like a, uh, a production assistant, like on set. Sure. Um, he, we used to do like a lot of videos together pre every pop punk vocalist days. Uh, <laughs> he also, uh, he, he was also an, like an honorary groomsman, uh, ah. what, what's the word officiant. For oh, the there wedding. You go. So okay. he like married me and Rachel. Um, Very cool. so it was like a, our secret getaway, but, uh, <laughs> uh we went honeymoon. up there. Yeah. <laughs> we went up there, we stayed at Lauren's for a night and then got like an Airbnb in town and. Patty was there for like a total of five days. Um, we just flew him in from, I think he was in the, yeah, he was in the UK. Um, so we flew him in, hashed out like four music videos. It was wow. a grueling amount of work. Yeah. But uh, 
um, with very, <laughs> very limited resources. I, I know we raised like 50,000 with um, Kickstarter, that Kickstarter. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of a lot of bands, their music videos alone are like 10 grand each. Right. Um, and so we obviously had to make it like way, way less than that. And uh, so we're, we're trying to like a lot of the stylistic choices in our music videos are just out of necessity. Like nitroglycerin, it's just in a black room. Right, right, Because right. like what Toronto sets are extremely expensive and it was also, uh, yeah. And the, the other one was in like a white studio we had used for Shinebox, but we used color this time. And right. It's like blue, one, right? Yeah. One video we shot in an office building just because we knew someone that worked there. Right, right. Um, what was the other music video? Oh, the other music video we filmed in a barn. Ah. That was on a uh, one of the guys, as Heatley, that uh, helped with the music videos. He has like this property, kind of maybe like an hour. Uh, actually, it may have been more than that, outside of Toronto. Okay. And we just shot in there, and it was like super cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So now we're waiting for those last two videos still, right? Yes. Okay. Um, the the next music video is that that one in the barn is for a uh, bastard from a basket, oh, which is sure. track five. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll come out on release day, so next ah, Friday. Great. And then there's a um the other music videos for I am Tetsuo. Oh sure, yeah. which is kind of a funnier music video, and that'll come out maybe like two weeks after the release. Right. Um, and then I'm working on a fifth music video that is probably just going to be like uh, cool footage, like stitched together that I'll just buy or license. Oh. Um, we won't actually be in it, but something, something artsy, like a visualizer. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, now let's take a Venn diagram then of yourself, Lauren and Patty out of this whole entire process how many times would that inner circle be relevant for days that you guys actually work together in the same place? Oh God. So, <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Pr- pretty much all of it is me at my desk in Tennessee. Um, right. when Lauren and I are working on stuff together, that was when we had like 10 days in Ohio when we tracked all the vocals. That was, that was when like most of the magic with the album happened. Like, while we were there, we like rewrote some instrumentals and uh, we actually, we like procrastinated on the lyrics for a really long time. So we <laughs> probably had less than half the lyrics ready oh, wow. when we, uh, when we got to Ohio. Um, uh, and it, it ended up being way easier to write lyrics when we were together in person. Cause we could just kind of get in the, get in like the same creative zone together and just spitball nice. stuff. And a lot of the, re- a lot of the best stuff on the record was just stuff we came up with on the spot. Um, cool. Like Tears and Rain, that song that we released um, last week, <laughs> we pretty much just, I think the night before, because we were planning on doing that song last, but I think the night before we were feeling really inspired. So we wrote like all the lyrics the night before and it just came together ah. super easily. And then we just kind of ad-libbed the melodies in the studio and it was like, this is exactly what it needs to be. And That's great. It's interesting. You work really hard on some songs and you take weeks like like hashing out the melodies and rewriting stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of songs where it just 
comes together immediately and it's the way it's supposed to be right off the bat and there's no other no other way. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. So I think we had talked before briefly when we had that live stream, but you had mentioned, I think, that obviously you've done a lot of work at your own computer, you know, by yourself. You're putting together melodies, you're doing music. Is that normally how you work? Or do you normally... Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. I, pre- the desk I'm sitting at right now recording this podcast is where I do like 95% of... I'd say even more than that, probably like 98%. And then the only other times I do work are when I travel to wherever to do something on location. But sure. uh, yeah, aside from this desk, I'll like, if if it's not like anything too creative, if, if it's just like clerical work or emails, I'll go to a coffee shop nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, I live like pretty close to downtown Chattanooga. Ah. Um, it's small enough to where it's not like insanely expensive to live walking distance from the main downtown area. So oh, good. Okay. It's, it's, it's very nice. So when you have all that stuff together, how much of the back and forth did you have with Lauren before going to Ohio to work with Johnny? Oof. Not too much. Um, I think up until Lauren really makes her contributions with like, lyrics and melodies um and actually like tracking or vocals we'll like chat a lot when i'm writing the instrumentals just mm-hmm. kind of to get like good creative direction and kind of making sure like hey is this song in your range or maybe there's like a song we like by a band or a a, a band that has a sound we really like and mm-hmm. we'll have the idea like oh, maybe we should do kind of a some sort of song in this style and kind of thinking about like how we want to brand the album and our goals. Um, but for the most part, it's me in my studio, um, just uh, writing instrumentals. And when I write instrumentals, I have like a vague idea for lyrical melodies and okay. what I want the songs to be about. Um, and before I even did anything with Lauren, I I drove up to uh, Columbus um to Johnny's studio, and we just hashed out all of the instrumentals there, ah. with the exception of maybe like one or two. Okay. Now, when we had talked after the Kickstarter, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about Kickstarter a little bit more, but when we had started talking after that ended, you had sent me a little brief list based on what I had sent you originally. And out of that list, only I think two got made into actual songs. Did you have the listing of movies that you wanted to do? Because obviously, for people that don't know, every you know, pretty much every song on yeah. this is dedicated to a movie. So, did you have that all picked out first before speaking with Lauren and Patty? No, it's kind of maybe like thirty percent, seventy percent. There were some movies right off the bat where I just knew I they're like my favorite movies. I have to make a song about it, and then the other ones kind of just filled out based on so like this is the first album i've written to be heard as a full album Mm -hmm. and not just a bunch of singles strung together like that sunrise skater kids album i did (laughs) like that there's like a flow to it but it's just all individual singles that i just kind of cleverly pieced together but this album is intentionally from start to finish written as like one 50 minute song that's right. like broken up um and so there it's kind of like it's like a movie yeah like uh 
you have like the like emotional it's like it's very like you've heard the album the album is very fun and like energetic at the beginning takes like a darker turn has some quieter parts and then it's like this huge climax absolutely um so uh i i picked the movies as well based on that Ah, so like the the first well i guess track two but like the first major song is about indiana jones right which is just like your fun classic american movie but then at the end you have like lord of the rings which is like this epic like grandiose film and then you have some like thinkers in the middle right um and then there were some songs where i think we had originally written lyrics and then we were just like i I don't think anybody can like really relate to this and then kind of last minute we'll just change the Ah. movie for that song oh okay all right so now are there any tracks that you guys in particular gravitate more towards because they're like your favorite movie or something yeah for sure um well i think at that at at this point it's just the songs but at first like uh so bastard from a basket which comes out next friday with the album that uh that song is about there will be blood right which is one of my favorite movies ever Mm -hmm. um so I put, I think I put more work into that song because of the the lyrical content, and sure. I think that uh, it's funny you ask that. I've never like thought about it this way, but um, yeah, and that that song's like the it, when you hear it, which you've heard it, it's yeah. very obvious what the inspiration for sure musically for that song is, and that's one of my like main musical inspirations, especially especially with just everything Crazy Eighty Eight does. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I'm sure you've seen it online where people have been guessing, you know, all the movies based on what they've heard and what the titles are so far as well. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I like that idea of giving people a little bit extra. And you had mentioned you're going to be, I'm I'm not sure if you want to say it publicly or not, but you had mentioned that you're going to be doing something extra to kind of showcase that with the artwork. Do you want to go into that at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think by the time this comes out, I, I will have already released it. But okay. we're doing like a uh, we're doing like this poster collection. Uh, it's fourteen posters. Each one is like a fake is like a parody movie poster for each song. Um, and they'll I'll just make like a little thing in the pre order, and then up until the release date, I'll just like upload pictures of the posters just to hype everybody up but by by that point once people see all the posters they'll immediately know what the the songs are right, about because right. it's it's very obvious in the posters um but uh i've seen for the most part people's guesses have been correct mm-hmm. there's still like four tracks that nobody has gotten right yet but that makes sense because in the uh the little teaser trailer thing for the whole album i did there's not a it isn't like maybe like five seconds to listen from and then the the title isn't like a direct reference so yeah there's only one that i don't have oh which one is it 300 pages that's the <laughs> okay <only> one. so <laughs> nobody nobody is gonna get that one i had when a the feeling. poster comes out when the poster comes out yeah some people might get it okay that song is like a uh that's like a special song it has a very special meaning that no one is ever going to decipher. Maybe like if anybody gets it right, I'll say like this is right, you got it. But <laughs> it's about something very specific. I figured, and but the question would be: Is it still movie related? Yes. Okay. 
Sort of. It's kind of, it's like movie industry related. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. because I saw Tyson tweet about it and it's a joke, but I was like, yeah. okay, I get it because I've heard it. But yeah. I just thought that was probably the most interesting thing because I just could not get that. So I'm looking forward to hearing what the story is behind that for sure. Yeah, I really doubt anybody's going to figure it out, but it'd be really cool if someone did. Um, I, I would like send merch to whoever did because it would be very okay. difficult, but... Um, you heard yeah. Jared. Yeah, 300 pages. Decipher that song when it comes out. Man, I really tried. Now I'm pissed. I had all that time. I could have been working on it. But I'll tell once once the podcast is over, I'll tell you what okay. it is. Okay. All right. That's good. I can keep my mouth closed. That's fine. No one leaked the album, right? No, I don't. I haven't shared it uh, with anybody that would okay. leak it yet. Good. Um, and I, uh, it, when I share it with like publications or you or whoever else, I'm always like, hey, don't share it. Yeah. Or, uh, I'll, I'll kill sue you. Ya, which yeah. I, I, I can never like sue someone over <laughs> something like that. But the de- I always want to have the, the detriment instilled. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk about Kickstarter a little bit because you've done crowdfunding in the past yeah. for other albums. So what do you think of this album for Kickstarter? How do you think it went? It went good. It, this was definitely the closest one. Um, I, I had actually never done Kickstarter before. Right. Up until then, I had done just Indiegogo, mm-hmm. uh, Thricefold. Uh, the first time for Beating a Dead Horse, then for Sunrise Skater Kids album, and then for Canadian Softball. Right. And I've kind of gone up with the budget each time, and um, I'm very meticulous with the math, so right. I I always make sure that it will be funded. Like, I would hate to get to the point and then it just because if you you don't get like if you're like a cent behind the amount like you, don't you won't get, get any right. of it right um so crazy 88 i did the math for what kind of album we wanted and who would mix and master it and it was actually way more than fifty thousand we needed oh. but i i fifty thousand for me was the point where it's like i don't think we could make more than this oh. and if we go over that it might like because if it if it becomes unachievable it loses momentum right um but if it's like something people see and they'd be like oh i i i could see that being funded they're more likely to contribute but if people see something that's never gonna happen they're yeah. not gonna put their money into it but uh so that that got like funded maybe a day or two <laughs> before like it was super close okay and once it like got close it the, with like uh crowdfunding it's always a huge spike at the beginning mm-hmm. and then for the whole middle of the campaign it's like dead as fuck right and you think pretty much with every single one i've done it's kind of just this feeling of like all right i i hope it hasn't plateaued but then right at the end it like jumps up again right um and luckily that happened for this one no, very true. And now, did you have any like backup plan if it didn't happen? Were you still going to go ahead and do this no matter what? Oh, yeah. I think if it if it was like hours left and it was like 40,000, I would have cuz I don't want <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> fail. <laughs> I, I would have just like thrown my like savings at it oh, and man. try to like recoup it later. But that would have been like a huge loss if I had done that. I'd, right. I'd be in the hole a lot of money. Um Oof. I'd have to recoup through like royalties for like a year or something. Oof. Probably more than that to make that amount back. But uh, um, luckily, it kind of balanced out. If it like just didn't 
get even close like if it got like 10 grand and yeah. then died i probably would have quit because <laughs> because for me it's like why i'm not gonna like do all well i wanted to make the album but right. with the the scale of it i didn't want to commit to that unless people actually wanted it because it that's it's something i want to do but like just the resources and i i want to be able to eat and yeah if I had my way, I would like go ahead and film a feature film right now, but that would that be use amazing. All the money right. I have and more, and then I would wouldn't be able to make anything else after that. So exactly, my reasoning is just kind of build up slowly. There are a lot of things I want to do through my career, and then one kind of once you get to a point where it's doable without going broke, uh, I'll go for it. Okay, so then. I remember at the end of the Kickstarter, it did mention, yeah, if you hit like 130,000 or something, you'd be able to do something like that. So is that one of your goals is to be able to do like a feature length film at some point? Oh, for sure. Okay. So it doesn't have to necessarily be Crazy 88, but just something. Yeah. I'm like way too ambitious to to a point (laughs) of fault. Uh, Like I I like want to direct like a Star Wars movie or something. I think Uh, you can now. They have one coming out every year. Yeah, possibly. We'll see. But then what? <laughs> maybe by that point, Star Wars isn't cool anymore. I don't know. I, I want to make a movie that made me feel the way Star Wars did when I first saw it. But uh, I get it. I get it. So and I, I want to do like everything. I want to make video games. Mm-hmm. I want to like write. Uh, I want to do like a Broadway musical, <laughs> a bunch of things that will never happen. But my philosophy is to just kind of have your, uh, I guess, even if they're really far off, like career goals, just mm-hmm. have them there and ready. And uh, like, I never, ex- I've always wanted to make music, but I never really, I never realistically considered doing it. And then when I did the first album, Beating a Dead Horse, that was literally the first time I'd ever like released an album. Right. Um, so that kind of just presented itself. So I don't know if maybe in a couple years or so, if, if it is reasonable for me to make like create a video game or a movie or something, that'll, that'll be when I do it. That'd be very cool. I mean, you have the, the ambition of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Oh, that's a, that's a very kind comparison as I am great fans. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of them. Absolutely. Great fan. Great fan. I am a great fan. I have to, I have to ask. So based on the news of today, so you've mentioned beating a dead horse. Are you going to go back and retroactively change that title now to feeding a fed horse, as <laughs> PETA had said we all must do? <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, <laughs> one of my one of my friends posted about that yesterday. Uh, I was going to mock it. Yes, I think, but you I think it's already it's it's like a trump thing it's already so ridiculous that there's really no way to satirize it Uh, but um i i do want to do like a reissue of beating a dead horse at some point that'd be great call it like milking a dead cow or something there you go um (laughs) so that that might come back that might be like my final comedy album i'll i'll make milking a dead cow Oh, okay so that's Right before you're making full-length movies, before you're making video games, that will be your ode to the scene. Yes, my magnum opus. The, the last <laughs> the last breakdowns I will transcribe. Oh, I, I can't tell you how much I want that to happen. 
I really do. And I'm assuming you go back to Johnny for that, right? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, he was he is the crab lord. He is. He loves that title. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was like literally the perfect person to do beating a dead horse with. Mm -hmm. It had like like that that production that perfect production value not like not saying the production on some of the songs was good but it was exactly (laughs) what it needed to be uh, in context of it being like a comedy album so yeah i talked to him yesterday and i tried to get him i told him i was talking to you and i said hey do you have any stories i should bring up and he just goes it's either because he's trying to protect you or he really doesn't know but he goes (laughs) i think it said my memory is terrible just ask him about stories. So that was literally um, his lead up was you should ask lazy. him about it. Yeah. That's lazy, Johnny. I was we a little disappointed. So many stories. Yeah. Because he I said he know. was very excited for the talk, but he was no help whatsoever. Yeah. We don't we don't have like super memorable stories, but we have <laughs> we have a lot of like shared um what's the word I'm looking for? Like not contagious laughs, but We've had moments in yeah. tracking to where, for whatever reason, stuff is just so funny, you bust along. Right. And it's like little things. Well, like when you spend that much time with someone creatively, you really get on the way, like the same wavelength. Right. And so when we're kind of in the thick of it tracking, if something something can like go off to where once it happens, it gets funnier and funnier, and then you just can't get any work done the rest of the day. So right. we have, uh, that happens to us multiple times for each project we've worked on. Um, yeah. No, that makes complete sense. So have you ever had it happen where you've had like a running joke while in production, and it's just actually... Oh, of course. But have you used uh, it in an album before? Uh, oh probably oh god i put you on the spot, I, I have a bad memory too so it's <laughs> it's hard going back through my discography and finding something i mean with uh there was an inside joke me lauren and johnny had when tracking vocals mm-hmm. this summer um and it was it was funny to the point where we were just like we were like speaking a certain way and we were doing it the whole time we were there and it like for any other person it would be like super annoying at this point but for us it just kept getting funnier and funnier and i think when like april 1st comes around (laughs) as like crazy 88 we might release something kind of uh i guess proliferating that inside joke and just confusing everybody but we'll see okay (laughs) well i was gonna ask i mean when obviously this is would you consider this your first non-parody band yeah that's a good way of describing it a a lot of people have said it's like my first serious album but i mean like that takes away from the work you put into the other albums though not not necessarily because i don't really feel like people are mitigating the amount of work i put in but it's uh it doesn't feel like a serious album because i mean it's literally about movies and it's like mid-2000s post hardcore with breakdowns which is like not very innovative at all so it's it's fun but i'd I'd say non-comedy and non-parody is the best way to describe it okay now for that for doing these tracks then how do you compare them to writing a parody song 
Like, is it's it easier? It's way more difficult. Oh, way more um, difficult. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely more difficult. Because when you're writing a parody song, you're making fun of things that are bad. <laughs> so you get to a certain point where it's like it's inherently bad writing or mm-hmm. lazy writing. So it gets to a point where it needs to be and you're fine. Or if you're like kind of stuck on a melody or a lyric, you kind of have that blank, that security blanket of like, well, it's like comedy. So, sure. and it's making fun of songs that are far from perfect. So it's fine. Um, but when, when you're making non-comedy music, you kind of get to a point where you want it to be better. And the way in which you want it to be better is just out of your means of like, as like a musician of what mm-hmm. you're even able to do. Um, and then you kind of have that realization. It's just like, damn it. Cause like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I'm way better. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I, my brain I think is, is better with coming up with ideas than like my technical skill set. Okay. Like there are a lot of ideas I have with music and production that I, I can't like describe them. I don't have like the va- vocabulary for it, for it. Cause I was never like formally trained in music or uh audio production so it's kind of just like that bottleneck and it's very really frustrating knowing you have like an idea and you hear there's like this vibe in your your brain that would be really cool like recorded and Mm -hmm. out there for everybody's ears but you just can't get it out well that's why you also surround yourself by other talented people though right yeah yeah. And that's part of just getting better. So you have like, who's one of your favorite artists? For me? Oh, just yeah. anybody? I love yeah. like favorite band of all time is Funeral for a Friend for me. Okay. How does their first album compare to maybe a, two or three albums later? To me, I enjoy it more. Okay. So yeah. this is a bad example. <laughs> okay, maybe okay, maybe before that album they had demos that sucked ass. But sure, sure. I, I think throughout a musician's career you have like the same like quality of quality of ideas throughout your life, but mm-hmm. like getting better isn't necessarily getting better ideas. It's you have way better you have way more experience and a better skill set to like actually turn those ideas into like a, a tangible product and a I forget where I heard it, but like someone said, like art is not necessarily like what you make. It's how it's having a feeling and being a good artist is how well you can relay that feeling to others. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you could have great ideas, but if the art is being able to, I guess, get that into get that same core feeling into someone else's brain and i've had many instances of songs or videos that it it, like uh i guess thematically meant something differently in my head uh when compared to like the final product but Uh, yeah now do you like that though so let's take crazy 88 for example you've got burning alive coming out obviously each one is going to be for a movie but do you like that people are going to be able to hear the lyrics and relate that to something else that makes them enjoy that track as well. Yeah, for sure. So like uh the the reason the songs are about movies is because I I've had a very privileged non-controversial upbringing with 
not really anything too inspiring to pull from. Like, like all these hit songs, you have lyrics about like, like a death of a loved one or <laughs> like abuse or all these like things, these like really heavy experiences. And right. for me, like I have like asthma and <laughs> I wasn't popular in high school, but it's like, it's, it's not enough to pull like genuine lyrics out of. Um, and I'm not a very, I'm not a very poetic person anyway. So li- lyric writing lyrics is my least favorite part of like the whole music process. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I figured I really like movies and I'm very compelled by characters in movies. So, uh, I felt it was more appropriate to just kind of tell stories from the perspectives of these characters I can right. really relate to. And then with those lyrics people can actually relate to that and um even if you don't know what each song is about it's lyrics you can relate to like nitroglycerin is just about well it's like a fight club song right right. so it's just about like being angry and seizing (laughs) your life and i i think most angsty teenagers can relate to that i guess but and like tears of rain tears and rain is just about death right uh but yeah, <laughs> you mentioned wanting to be a writer. Would you ever be able to incorporate a story that you wrote into like another concept album? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like I would. I I don't want to be like a novelist. I don't oh, okay. have that in me. By writing, I mean maybe just like I would love to write like kids' books with like lots oh, okay. of pictures or something. That's. Uh, I mean, you can make some like, serious money. Writing for like a uh, like screenwriting, mm-hmm. I think would be cool. Like writing for a TV show or a oh, movie. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I guess so. I, that's that's a uh, that's a a potential career option. I have thought the least about. So we'll we'll see how that one turns out. <laughs> we'll get the Jared Alonji autobiography at some point. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. That I mean, that'll be full with stories, so that'll be good. Now, so let me let me go back just to the the parody writing a little bit. So obviously, and I I mean I'm saying obviously, but I think you're very funny. I think you've built a great career out of being funny. When you're Thank doing you. yeah, when you're doing a parody song or you're doing a joke song like a diss track or something, you say you're not really a great writer when it comes to that, but your comedy gets across correctly. Do you run those jokes by someone similar to the way, uh, you know, a stand-up comedian would? Oh, sort of. Uh, oh, that's a complicated question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's your job. You're supposed to ask the complicated questions. Thank you, thank you. Uh, could you. Could you rephrase that again? Yeah, so I guess just the way, obviously, in a parody song, you're going to try and write things that are going to rhyme or going to work in the scheme yeah. that you're doing. But... When you're writing jokes about something, you often want to know what that actual, like, how people are going to react to them. So do you try those jokes out on people first before you try and put them into a song? Sort of. Uh, There are, like, no laws for comedy. Right. Um, It's kind of just what feels right, maybe. Uh, And every joke is different, too. Like, some stuff is funny because it has, like, a satirical intent or a cultural reference. And then some stuff is funny because it just sounds silly. Sure. Um, like I, I had one song, I think it was a Sunrise Skater Kids song, where the rhyme in a lyric was just the same word. And then the joke <laughs> was about how the rhyme was the same word. Right. 
Uh, and then you have, you have some songs that are, it's like political commentary, mm-hmm. social commentary, and then other, other parts of songs where it's just like a blah, that sounds like really <laughs> stupid and disgusting. And yeah, I don't really know. I mean, if you look up interviews of like big time comedians and like Jerry Seinfeld or someone and how they make a joke, it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, it, it, there's no rules. It's no. just kind of, you, you just have to be funny i guess <laughs> I, I don't think i'm that funny but i every every now and then i'll i'll create a joke that i think is funny but yeah <laughs> well i will say i think that you definitely won the diss track battle against dines oh thank you yeah Team I, mine is mine was superior in every every possible aspect every facet of that yes i uh, look I my sense of humor tends to go towards where when someone says you're gonna die alone, I find that very funny. So for me, that was great. <laughs> I'm I'm I like shock humor, not necessarily. Sh- well, I I like why shock humor is funny is because it's it's something. I I think the the root of all comedy, like the root of getting a laugh with someone, is that you just subvert their expectations. So right. That's why shock humor is so funny. It's because you hear it and it's so jarring that your body doesn't know what to do with the emotion. So exactly. it comes out as a laugh. Yep. Um, and I, I think people that get offended by things like that, they're just kind of rerouting those same feelings into like aggression when they would be a much happier person if they just laughed about it. But, just laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... Uh, I'll very often, so like with my close friends or my wife, mm-hmm. it's kind of just a contest of saying the most offensive things ah, possible. Sure. Not because we think like those things. <laughs> I, will, I won't go into detail. <laughs> and it, it's stuff that would like ruin my career if oh, I yeah. ever said it <laughs> out loud, but uh, <laughs> on like social media or something. But mm-hmm. it's funny because it's something, that's why it's funny. It's because if I said it. I, the things that would be the worst things to say on like social media that would get me just totally ruin all chances I had of being like a, a like a like an internet personality. Those are the things I like to say because it's the least likely things to come out of my mouth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's an interesting science. It really it really is. And so, like, what are your favorite comedians? Oh, I'm sure you've been asked that many times, but hmm. So uh, it's not cool to say it anymore. I really liked Louis C.K. for a while. Oh, you're done. Um, I'm sorry. I can't even put this out. I have yeah. to delete this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I've tainted the podcast. <laughs> oh no, yeah. that's happened long, long time ago. Yeah, Louis. Uh, I don't know why he came to my mind first. He's not even my favorite comedian. I guess it's just it's a it's a weird feeling because like his stuff is still funny, mm-hmm. but he's not a great well. I this this is where people would get mad at me because it's like of he's a weirdo for sure yeah and like was definitely wrong like one hundred percent wrong to do what he did mm-hmm. but he's not like Harvey Weinstein or anything so right it's kind of like or uh, Bill Cosby know. or yeah, yeah. or right. uh, I I'm sure someone that hears this will be like well you like don't give Tim Lambesis a chance but it's like <laughs> a, a lot of people say like. All like sins are equal, but that's one hundred percent not true. Like, right, right. Uh, like trying to kill someone, 
completely or, different. Yes. Or like Harvey Weinstein, like being that level of like a psychopathic sexual predator right. he is. That's like it's it's unjust to the victims to like lump like lesser criminals in with the same category. Anyway, exactly. I, I shouldn't be talking about this. Okay, so. Uh, Louis C.K. I don't I don't really care too much about anymore because of well, right. the con the context. Um, but probably I'd say Jerry Seinfeld is like my all time favorite, just because okay. I my family didn't have cable growing up, mm-hmm. so I didn't have like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or anything. Um, but we had like I think just like a basic ten channels, and right. one of those channels had um, Seinfeld and in syndication so i grew up watching that right when like most other kids would be watching uh, i guess whatever i still watch like spongebob and stuff but it was <laughs> on like vhs uh so the kind of the daily tv watching was maybe like seinfeld or everybody loves raymond or something so i i could kind of give that credit for how i guess my my humor has come to be that was a bad sentence uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, Seinfeld holds a special place in my heart. Um, him and Larry David ah, are probably sure. at the top. I really like Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Dimitri Martin has always oh. been one of my favorites. Sure, I've I've seen him perform twice. Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are probably my favorites. Have you, I mean, you talk about movies and you talk about, you know, all these video games and whatnot. Would you ever do stand-up comedy? I have done stand-up comedy. Oh. I uh, one night okay. in college, my I think it was my sophomore year. Um, was that like an open mic night? It was fine. Okay. Like, I didn't bomb and I got some laughs, but it was just so nerve-wracking. And like, afterwards, it wasn't like, oh, that was nerve-wracking but amazing it was like <laughs> that was kind of cool but like the the <laughs> the amount of suffering leading into ah, that sure. just wasn't worth it right and i i know that's probably the same case for most comedians and if i kept doing it it'd probably be more fun but <laughs> i think there's just something inherently unfunny about people in their 20s like it's really <laughs> hard to do stand-up and not be like a very experienced middle-aged man because gotcha. it's like you're trying to make people laugh and people are just like who's this fucking kid right like you don't you don't know shit you're <laughs> fucking 20 you were born in the 90s uh so i i might revisit stand-up comedy and when i turn 40 that'll be like there my midlife crisis but <laughs> yeah, yeah what an interesting midlife crisis that would be i don't know yeah. if anyone's done that where they've quit everything I mean, a lot of comedians didn't become successful until later in their career. Like Louis C.K., for instance, he didn't become big until he was in his 40s. But he was working and now at he's it. not big yeah. anymore, but... Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Well, would you do... Would you ever do... I always want to do this. Like a scene roast where you make fun of all the bands in the scene or one oh, that person can never work yeah people people in scene music are way too sensitive yeah they don't like laughing at themselves they, w- they would get super offended immediately yeah um 
yeah the, the people the people i mean the people i know that are like in in bands and stuff and like my warp tour friends mm-hmm. that it's kind of everybody kind of has the same sense of humor and that stuff is funny but the people you would actually make fun of and roast are people that are i think very sensitive about those yeah. things and it's like they'll act like they're not sensitive but <laughs> you your empathy just kicks in and you know they're like dying inside so it just it doesn't feel good anymore <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I knew it and would never work. I would just love to do it. Yeah. Ugh, that'd be so much That fun. would be, that's that's a good concept, though. I will consider that. Yeah, I think, and if there was anyone that could pull that off, I think that would be you. So that's why I bring it up. Oh, maybe. Uh, people just be upset. It's these Gen Z kids. <laughs> Those damn Gen Zers. Ugh. Yes. Now, there are people, though, that can get away with that kind of thing. And I think because you've worked your way up from a young age in the scene, you would be one of those people, I think, that could get away with it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've been... The basis of my comedy is roasting scene bands. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, though. It's gotten harder to make fun of people that because I know them now, <laughs> which I think that was a mistake getting to know yeah. a lot of people because... Like on Warp Tour, the first time I did Warp Tour in 2015, I became friends with a lot of bands, like became friends with them in person mm-hmm. that I had satirically mocked before. And not in like mocking in like a hateful way. <laughs> no. It, it, no. Like a, stuff that they've like, they like know my stuff and they think it's funny. Good. Um, but then it's like when you want to jab at them after that, after you've like established that friendship, it's it's very difficult uh, and sometimes you can do it. Sometimes it's just like, uh, cause like you, you know, like what those people are insecure about and mm-hmm. like the trials and the things they've overcome in life. So it's just, right. and I'm a very empathetic person. So like I, I do the comedy to make people laugh, but mm-hmm. when it's really at someone's expense, it's just uh, difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. So, I mean, that's the thing, I guess, you know, I've been doing this for four years or so. I've had tons of people on. It is harder to make fun of the people that you have on the show yeah. compared to a big name band that puts out an album and you're like, wow, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And, and I don't know yeah. if that's a good thing or a bad thing because part of me is like, uh, it's like not as edgy anymore. But then part of me is like, maybe people shouldn't be making fun of these people. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's like... I don't know. There, I think there's things in music that are fair game to make fun of. Mm-hmm. But then it's like when you just call a release like a trash release or just call a whole band garbage. Right. It's like there are things in their music you can make fun of. But then there's a point where it's just you're just shitting on their heart. Like, right. right. <laughs> they, they put their heart out there to sure. try to like actually do something with their lives, which most people... They always think they could do better, but they they, they suck can't. and they they don't even attempt. But right, you have right. these people that do that, and then you just shit on their heart. <laughs> and yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Th- there are some things. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of beating a dead horse on this one. Ah, uh, you said it wrong again. Peter's coming <laughs> after you. That's that's going to be the next problem. <laughs> uh, so I did want to add something. So I talked to Lauren before on the show. And I remember the the brief backstory about how you guys got together to do Crazy 88. But I think one of the things a lot of people don't necessarily 
understand or know is how did you bring Patty into the fold? Uh, so Patty just, uh, I'm trying to remember correctly. It was, I think late last year, he just reached out. Oh, um, and we have been friends for a long time, even since like pre as it is. Oh, very nice. Uh, our, um, I mean like the first Sunrise Skater Kids song ever recorded, which was like this old, the old demo for pop punk pizza party was actually Patty doing vocals uh, back when he okay. was like a YouTuber. Right. An occupation, which he has transcended very well. Um, <laughs> but uh, he reached out to me one night. He said he really likes, I guess, the direction and kind of like creative aesthetic of Crazy 88 and just wanted to know if he can have a, a like a non-vocalist part in it. Wow. Um, which, which I totally get from Patty because so Patty's... As it is, well, I, you can't really say as it is as a pop punk band anymore, but they definitely started out in that vein. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In the uh, my music tastes, I mean, I listen to like Blink One Eighty Two and those bands back in the day, but most of my stuff, most of my background was in heavier music. Um, but with Patty, even like pre as it is, he was. We listened to the same things like ah. Seosin and yeah. Under Oath and. Uh, taking back Sunday and stuff. So we have like the same creative leanings. They just manifested differently. Sure. Um, and I, ever since I've known him, I've kind of known that. So when he messaged me about it, like I totally understood and already knew creatively we were on the same wavelength. And I already know that type of music that mm-hmm. Crazy 88 is about. I, I, I already know for a fact he could write stuff or contribute in a way which would definitely suit what we were trying to do. Um, which is very, it's very hard to come across people that kind of have the same creative goals as you do. So, sure. And he wanted a, uh, he, uh, he's still 100% part of as it is, but being a, just a lead vocalist, I'm sure there's, there's other itches that aren't being scratched. If, uh, like when, when I'm doing music for a long time, I, I get itches to like do other things and I still like doing the the thing I'm doing, but if you you kind of have like these creative bottlenecks where you want to express yourself in other ways as well, so right. he wanted to I guess kind of get the the instrumental part out. Um, so yeah, so we we just welcomed him with open arms, and I guess if we ever bring on another person, it'll be the same reason. Just see what kind of happens organically. Did you guys have any? So you mentioned getting that itch. Did you have that itch to help more with vocals? Like, was there a reason why you guys didn't do multiple, like, female compared to male vocals, do that whole mix together for Crazy 88? It comes out a little bit, but most of it's Lauren. Yeah, I sing a little bit. Yeah. Um, ultimately, my goal is to just make stuff that sounds good listening to and (laughs) if my vocals don't i mean i tracked some vocals on some parts when we were in ohio and they didn't sound good so we were like nope (laughs) um and then there were some parts where i wasn't planning on recording anything but then it just kind of worked out so Mm -hmm. i mean like i don't really even need to be on it at all like i don't even really if we played live or like added another guitarist i wouldn't even want to do lead guitar because rhythm guitar is more fun ah sure um so ultimately i don't really care 
what like my contribution is. I just want to just the the prospect of being responsible for the final product in whatever state it's in. I I take more pride in that oh. as opposed to like my actual guitar playing or anything. Oh, okay. So you mentioned playing live. Is there any chance of that actually happening? I mean, obviously, Patty's got tons of stuff with as it is. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, Lauren's got a new album coming yeah, out. Yeah, the the project was definitely conceived with the idea of touring ah, or just okay. playing live shows. Um, it, it's just it's one of those things where the stars kind of have to line up because it's very it's unlikely for us to tour a lot. Mm-hmm. Um because we're all in different countries right it's not even like our main hustle it's like our our side hustle right and we we have to be in the same place at the same time it has to be it it wouldn't if we were like in our teens it would make sense to like rent a van and just travel and play really small shows but where each of us are in our lives now that would not be optimal right uh so if it if we we're kind of in the right place at the right time can play like a festival where it works out with our schedules or maybe uh, one thing I'm hoping for, which would be really cool is if a bigger band uh, found us and wanted to just take us out on like a short part of their tour, that would be really cool. Ah. Um, It's, it's one of those things where like pretty much every band hearing that sentiment would be like fuck you like you need to work you need to grind it out but it's like i don't (laughs) i don't know i don't want to i'm like 25 i don't want to play i don't want to like get people together from other countries right and like sacrificing our other gigs we have going like i'm still doing comedy music and stuff to like play at a shitty bar to a crowd of five people I mean, like you, you the, there are things you need to do in order to earn um, whatever standing you want live. But well, yeah, I <laughs> I'm just too old for that shit. If if I was like 17, I would totally just like abandon everything and go go out on the road and right. play shitty dive bars. But I like I like have a wife. Yeah. And, uh, I have doing shit yeah. career aspirations, so <laughs> right. it would be irresponsible <laughs> for me to do such a thing. But possibly in the future, it's on the table. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would like our first show to be next year. Um, and we also uh, another big thing is we would have to practice. We've never actually played <laughs> together in the same room. That's so awesome. like the i the ideal first show would be. A decent festival somewhere, just like a one-off performance, sure. and we would probably all fly there maybe like a week before and rent equipment and then just kind of hang out and practice for a week. Right, right. Um, and then play our first show. And then if that goes well, it's like, okay, let's, we maybe we could try another festival or a tour or something, but yeah. Lauren and Patty have a lot of stage, like, performing experience, and mm-hmm. I can play guitar well- but I've never actually performed that type of music on a stage before. So, ah, okay, yeah, I, 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 I'm good at like guesstimating things, and I, I think that would be fine when it mm-hmm. comes to it. But right. I mean, it could always be one of those things where like it just sucks. <laughs> it hasn't been proven to work yet. 
Crazy 88 could be the shittiest live band you've ever heard. But Ooh, man, you guys, we'll, we'll see. I'm being realistic. Yeah, that would be tough, though, because I've seen some really shitty live bands. That yeah. would be very tough, especially with yeah. Lauren. I mean, you've been around for a long time. Lauren and Patty, obviously. Now, I did want to ask. So you've got Tyson doing drums for the music videos, but who did drums for the actual album? I did. Oh, I just programmed nice. everything. Oh, okay. All right. It's weird. I'm the drummer for Crazy 88, but I can't like physically play drums that well. And I often write stuff, program stuff on drums. That's you, you need like three arms to play. Oh, yeah. So when I run it through like like Johnny or uh, Will Putney, mm-hmm. they'll be like, hey, you want me to fix this part? I don't, you can't play this in real life. And I'd be like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So we got to I mean, we've been talking for a long time, so we'll wrap it up in a bit. But I did yep. want to ask, so you obviously, you got Garrett Russell to do, yes. you know, extra features. So yep. why did you choose him in the first, obviously he's, you know, one of the biggest up and comers, but why did you choose him specifically? And then did he end up writing some of the lyrics as well? Or did he write what you guys put together? Uh, So Garrett, I picked for Crazy 88, I was only considering music, or I, I, I guessed artist from like a band i actually like and really listen to um for comedy music a lot of those artists i really like but it was more so just kind of it fits the goal of what it is comedically sure um uh and it like kind of just fits that genre trope but uh with crazy 88 um i'm like a huge silent planet fan yeah uh and garrett's like one of my favorite vocalists in metal Mm -hmm. right now and we're we're friends and he's a good ass dude. Yeah. So it was I just asked him if you want to do it and he oh. was down. And and as far as like writing goes, um I hate the the prospect of writing someone else's lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um with with which with some people it's fine, but with Garrett his lyrics are so amazing in Silent Planet. So why right. why the hell would I write <laughs> lyrics for him? So we we co-wrote the song Very together. Cool. Um there some of like the main hooks I wrote, but mm-hmm. like the bulk of his guest part, which is actually the whole song. Like Pretty much, heard yeah. it. it's right. it's not like a guest vocal part. He is like the main vocalist right. of that song. Um I just kind of let him have the reins on that one. And that ended up being a good decision because some of the lyrics he wrote, I was just like, how the fuck do you come (laughs) up with this? Like, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, uh, silhouettes in the moonlights debt or something. I'm like, what the fuck? Very true. (laughs) I can't, (laughs) I can like piece basic words together. (laughs) That's, that's great. All right. That did, that definitely answered my question. So then, Obviously, that's a great get. You know, you guys are friends, and he's great at what he does. Is there anyone else in the future? Is there anyone on your list that you've been waiting for? Because obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. There are tons of people you've worked with. But is there anyone still out there you were like, I definitely want to do something with that person at some point? Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, oh, there's so many people. I'd love to do something with, like, Gerard Way. Oh, sure. Or Ray Toro. Or, uh, oh, man every artist i've ever loved uh <laughs> for for do you mean for like just in general or crazy 88 well let's specifically? say yeah let's let's specify it to crazy 88 so crazy 88 
so there are a lot of female vocalists I'd like to collab with, but mm-hmm. I think for Crazy Eighty Eight, we we have that covered because Lauren is such a great vocalist. Of course, yeah. Um, and uh, there are very few vocalists that could, I think, be in a song with her and it it compare, not make that vocalist look bad. But yep. uh, mm-hmm. um, I would love to get really weird with Crazy Eighty Eight. Okay. Like I'd love to have like a song with Post Malone or ah, something. Okay. Or like right. a rap song. Sure. But like not like Crazy 88 featuring this rapper or right. like Post Malone, but like kind of how hip hop is now where you'll have like like uh was it Travis Scott and Drake that made that song? But oh. they're not like featuring each other. It's just right. a song they did together. I would love to have a song that's like like Post Malone and Crazy 88 or like Maybe even Post Malone featuring Crazy 88 or Gotcha. Uh yeah. Okay. I mean Crazy 88 in it in it it's like essence. It's just like fun music. Yeah. yeah. Um like I'm not trying to break any like I'm not trying to transcend any subgenres. <laughs> it's all very generic music, but I guess it's about how it's put together and kind of that nostalgia element, but Sure. Yeah, the sky's the limit with Crazy 88. Um, a rapper would be cool. Someone more realistic. I would love to get Rao. Oh, okay. Uh, from Enter Shikari on a song. Sure. Which I, I already know him, so I should I should reach out to him. Yeah, reach out to him, release. man. That would be super cool. Um, maybe like Jason from Let Live. Oh, sure. That would be really dope. Or, uh, hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's good, though. So much, so much talent. Yeah, exactly. Or Living like Spen- Spencer from Under Oath. That would be, ah, there you go. That would be the icing on top. Or maybe like Caleb from Bear Tooth. That would be really cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to see Spencer and Under Oath, uh, on Saturday. So I'll just tell him. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's let yeah. him know. Yeah, look, if him. I, c- if I can make that just work. Just be like, hey, this band Crazy 88. You should take them on tour with you or something. Yeah, exactly. Or something. Just something. Yeah. Well, look, we've been talking for a long time, but I do want to make sure that we end off with something that I like to do. So obviously you're yep. a big movie buff. Is there anything that you're looking forward to that's going to be coming out soon that you're really excited for? Ooh. Uh first one that comes to mind is the um uh Vice. Um the uh new movie about Dick Cheney. With, oh uh, yes, okay. Christian Bale. Yep. Um. Oh God. I mean, I hope all the upcoming Star Wars movies are good. <laughs> uh. Oh, I can't think of any. There, there's like because it's December. This is when all like the great movies come out. Because supposedly, of, yeah. The Os- yeah, Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a lot of good stuff coming out right now. There's a lot of stuff out right now that I had like never heard of because it wasn't marketed that much, but mm-hmm. it's playing. Right. So I might go see something this weekend. But oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I think film has been great like the past five years. Mm-hmm. People say like there are no good movies anymore, but it's like some of the best movies ever have come out in just like the last five years. There have been some good ones. I think my issue more is that it's so many reboots and sequels, and everyone said this before. I'm not even saying anything. Yeah. More. But when you get that, you get a movie like Eighth Grade. You know what I mean? Where yeah. that's like a really good. You weren't expecting oh, that. Yeah, you know, sure. that comes out of nowhere. I mean, look, and I love, I mean, I love Infinity War, you know, for sure. But, you know, there there's just too many reboots, in my opinion. 
That's I agree. Yeah. And uh, I, I totally understand that sentiment and all the, the Hollywood trash, which there is more Hollywood trash nowadays. For sure. But the movie, the good movies coming out now are so good and frequent. Right. Kind of underneath that Hollywood noise that it kind of just makes up for it. Yeah. Um, like, I'd rather not see... I'd like 10 different Disney Marvel movies each year. Right. But you have like it, these these studios like A24 that mm-hmm. are every single movie they put out is just a banger. Right. And it's very exciting. And there's also directors like uh, Denny Villeneuve. I probably butchered that pronunciation who did like Sicario and Arrival. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's working on. I guess a a remake. It is a reboot of a uh, Dune. <laughs> ah, but <sure. laughs> he every movie he's done is like has become a favorite of mine. Ah, okay. um, like there's a there's a song on the Crazy Eighty Eight album about Arrival. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see where see where film goes. Absolutely. So Jared, I think this is a great time to stop. Obviously, we could have continued talking, but we all have stuff we got to do. So I wanted to, once again, let everyone know that the new Crazy 88 album, Burning Alive, is coming out on December 14th. I will have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can follow you guys, so that they can pick up merch, do a pre-order still, pick it up when it actually comes out. But for right now, what is the best way for people to support you? The best way would be to just stay in the loop you can follow me i i'm most active on twitter facebook instagram and youtube um if you want to stay up to date with crazy 88 there's social media stuff for that as well um yeah that's that's the best way to support what i do just knowing yes what i do helps (laughs) awesome man well Look, I actually, I've been doing this for a really long time. I never thought I would be, you know, able to have you on the show, and this has been fucking great. So thank you so much, man, for taking the time. And I didn't even talk about how there is a track on the album that is based on the Kickstarter that is named Ian Hates Gretchen. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> didn't I forgot about, about that. I That's can't like, believe it. I, how did you not? <laughs> we were talking about so much other things. So anyway. For, for you listeners, the uh, this podcast made a very generous one of the one of the top contributions to the kickstarter and under the perk that lets you name a song so one of the songs on the album is named after this podcast yeah well look honestly i love all three of you guys like i you know i've had lauren on twice i've been a huge red-handed denial fan you know patty i've had on once as well i've been a huge as it is fan i've been a fan of yours for a long time and this has gave me the opportunity to be able to do something where i could try and support you guys so i was happy to do it yeah thank you absolutely man well jared thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show once again this was awesome i hope you have a great day man it's been real you too Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. So now I've had Jared, Lauren, and Patty on the show. That's pretty damn cool. I wasn't kidding about the new album, Burning Alive. It's one of my favorites of 2018, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Not only that, but also the track, Ian Hates Gretchen. It's fucking great. Make sure to support Jared by following all the links in the description of the episode. 
I'm excited about what he also has coming out on Monday as well. That's a secret, though. Also, if you liked what you heard, you can support me, Ian Hates, by following the other links in the description as well. I'm going to leave you with the track Nitroglycerin off Burning Alive coming out this Friday. Don't forget. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Direct!